broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Gets it in, fourth the arrow, puts it up, and it's over. Kansas State came out of nowhere this season, and now it's on to the Sweet 16. Dudes. <laughs> we got dudes. And that's, that's what it takes. Like, this is, I mean, people get all caught up in the coaching and all that stuff. It's dudes. You got to have players. And these dudes, they, they work. I've been playing against big guards my whole life. I mean, I'm 5'7 um, on a good day. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Coming in, you heard the voice of K-State head coach Jerome Tang. Also, Marquise Knoll who uh, was 5'7 and was balling for the Kansas State Wildcats as they knocked off Kentucky and punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. And they were a team that was actually picked last. They were picked last in the Big 12. They were supposed to be the last team in, you know, and and they were not going to be good. They hardly had any players when Coach Tang took over. And then all of a sudden they went to the transfer portal, got some guys, had some other guys transfer. They were good to go, and uh, they've been on a hell of a run. And they're, uh, again, punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. We're expected to have Coach Scott Spinelli, Believe Podcast Network, joining us to talk all things March Madness. And hopefully you've been following along with all the tournament action and uh, at LVSportsNetwork.com, if you signed up for our contest that you got going on, uh, you can see where you are. Currently, I'm not doing so well. <laughs> I don't think that that's a big surprise, but currently I'm not looking so hot. I think the number one person has about 90 total points uh, in our contest right now, and I think I'm around 60 points. I'm not looking good at all. I was My bracket was busted immediately when I had Arizona in the first round advancing, and they didn't. <laughs> they took an L to Princeton, and oh, don't worry, don't worry, Princeton don't take no prisoners, right? Missouri was up next, and Princeton was like, ah, got you too. So Princeton punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. K-State punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. Creighton punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. I mean, so many teams have punched their ticket to the Sweet 16 that you kind of look at it and think, whoa, didn't really see that coming. Then you got the usual suspects. Alabama, you know Alabama's going to be really good. They're going up against San Diego State, representing the Mountain West. That's going to be a tough one for the Aztecs. I don't see them knocking off Alabama, but there's that. So, you know, we'll pay attention to that. Uh, Arkansas, Eric Musselman and company. Eric Musselman used to be at, what, Nevada? Used to be at Golden State? Used to be all over the place. He's up there taking his shirt off. He's flexing on everybody when they're winning games. Uh, shout out to, to Eric Musselman. I, I tried so hard on Saturday to get him on my, uh, on my ESPN show just to talk to him about, is that the new thing? Is that what we're doing? Are we going to stand up on the table and start taking our shirt off? Like, uh, if I do something great, you know, I usually get up and I'm all excited. I'm like, boom, you know, get fired up. Am I supposed to get up on the table here in the studio now and just pull off my shirt and just start flexing on everybody if I do something really well? I mean, if you want, but Eric Musselman, I, I've had it because, you know, he started that in Nevada right? where it's one of those, am I still salty? Because when he had those UNR teams. Yeah, you do sound salty. I am. Okay. You know, once a hater, always a hater. <laughs> you know, he can change schools, <laughs> but the hate still follows. Wow. Wow, that's funny. That's so, funny. Put your shirt on. Yeah, well, you know, he's, <laughs> Had enough hey, of that. he's flexing on him. So. It was cute in 2018, but now <laughs> it's getting stale. <laughs> that is hating all day. Creighton takes on Princeton. Houston's going to take on Miami. That's a one seed and a five seed. That's going to be a really good one. Texas Xavier, that's another one I'm looking forward to. Arkansas is going to take on UConn. That's going to be good. UCLA and Gonzaga, excited about that one. These games are being played right here in Las Vegas coming up at the end of the week. K-State and Michigan State. I don't know if K-State's got enough to take out 
Tom Izzo, H to the Izzo. Man, I'm telling you, Michigan State, they're looking good. They knocked off uh, Marquette over the weekend. That was a game that I was really locked in on. Uh, Baylor, shout-out to Scott Drew. They took an L. Creighton was able to knock them off, and it really wasn't even close. Duke, they were the hottest team in the country going into the tournament, right? Until Tennessee said, not so much. Gotcha. <laughs> took care of business. Tennessee's going to play FAU. Uh, one of DeMond's favorite teams. <laughs> DeMond's getting dogged for that. But uh, go ahead and check out LVSportsNetwork.com if you did fill out a bracket. Make sure you have everything updated, ready to go. Uh, our, our system is a little bit different, so sometimes you don't actually have everything filled out immediately, so you can go back and get everything filled in right now. But uh, check out your bracket. If yours is like mine, it's completely red. But that's the fun of March Madness. Join us now on the phone lines from the Believe Podcast Network, Coach Scott Spinelli. We join him every week to talk a little March Madness. And Coach, thanks so much for your time. I was just talking about some of the uh, the big games and the big outcomes that happened over the weekend, including Fairleigh Dickinson. They knocked off Purdue, and I know that they lost to FAU. But, man, was that not a hell of a performance by Fairleigh Dickinson? It really was. Again, thanks for having me. I always love being on your show. Um, but, yeah, it was really a fun game to watch. And, you know, a true David and Goliath type story, right? Um, but, you know, again, it really kind of exemplifies what's going on in this year's tournament. I mean, you know, lower seeds, meaning seeds that are 15, 16, and even you know, seeds that are lower, are really kind of not as you know, outmatched as you might think they are mm-hmm. based on what every coach is looking for, and that is experienced players, older experienced players. And with this portal and with the COVID year, there's a lot of that going around in college basketball right now. Yeah, it really is, and it's making for a really fun tournament. That was a great, outstanding weekend, the round of 64 and the round of 32, and K-State came out on top. They knocked off Kentucky, and they punched, they punched their ticket to the Sweet 16, and, Coach, they were expected to be last in the Big 12, but Coach Tang, he's got them to the Sweet 16. What have you seen from the Wildcats? Well, I'll tell you what. you got to give Coach Tang uh, and his staff a lot of credit for the job that they've done. I mean, for that team – you know, again, to be built as late as it was in May. And, and, you know, they went out and they evaluated. They took some guys. I mean, the kid Norwell from New York, the point guard, I mean, he's been just outstanding. Um, and then to blend those guys in, to, to formulate or to make them into a team, you know, one unit, there seems to be some camaraderie, chemistry there. Again, you can't say enough about the job that Coach Tang's done this year at Kansas State. No, I've been very impressed. Again, we're talking with Coach Scott Spinelli right now from the Believe Podcast Network. We're talking all things March Madness. And uh, we, before you hopped on, we were talking about Coach Eric Musselman. You want to talk about jobs done, Arkansas. Uh, they punched their ticket to the Sweet 16. They'll be here in Vegas uh, playing this upcoming week. What have you saw from Arkansas as they were able to advance? i tell you what. They're playing right now, as they always do, their best basketball once they get to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, this is going to be a tough matchup. As good as UConn is and as deep as they are, and they're as talented as anybody right now in the tournament, especially with all the depth. They've got guys that were in the ACC, Alani and, you know, Diara was a transfer from A&M. Both those guys were impact guys in the ACC, and they're not even playing that many minutes. So they've got great depth. The issue is going to be this. Arkansas's guard play and their experience in terms of, you know, being a team that, I think, you know, really proposes and presents a challenge to UConn because I don't think UConn, at least they haven't shown that they can really take care of the basketball. A lot of live ball turnovers, especially in the Big East tournament, I think that's going to be like the subplot of the game. But, you know, that's going to be a real good game to watch. I think Arkansas right now is playing again. I really like Arkansas. This team is, 
Hill, led by Coach Musselman and his enthusiasm, his passion, his energy. He's going to love what's going on there. Are we all taking our shirts off, too? When we do something great now, are we taking our shirts off and flexing on everybody? <laughs> hey, man, I wish I could. I ate a lot of Italian food in my day. <laughs> my wife and kids would uh, would be mortified. So no, not on my side. <laughs> Gonzaga and UCLA, what do you think of that matchup? Because for Gonzaga, it's always, is this team going to be the team? How do you think they fare this weekend against the higher seed, UCLA? Well, I tell you what, those are two teams that a lot of, you know, no one's really talking about. And, you know, it just seems to me that Gonzaga right now is playing free and loose. I mean, they've got star power with Timmy. They've got culture, tremendous coaches, uh, obviously, with Coach Few and their staff. And, you know, it almost, to me, just feels like there's just something clicking right now with Gonzaga. And, you know, years, you know, if you look at what Gonzaga's had to go through in previous years, They've had some tough matchups. They've always had the pressure on them as coming in as the, the one seed or the two seed or having that top pick in the draft. And I just think this year's team is a lot freer, a lot looser. Um, and I think they're going to be a huge challenge here. But at the same time, so is it UCLA. I mean, they lost Jalen Clark. A lot of people kind of wrote him off. But, again, both high-culture programs, guys who have been around the program, who have developed within – they both have excellent identities on both ends of the floor. Something's going to give, but the winner of that game, to me, guys, I think is going to get a chance to get to the Final Four. I really believe that. The game that I'm anticipating to be the game of the weekend is actually Houston and Miami. What do you think about Ooh, that matchup? I like it. Well, we liked Miami coming into the tournament as a team that we thought could advance. And they've got tremendous guard play. They've got weapons all over the floor. Um, you know, They play a very um, unique style. You know, with Omir, um, you know, a guy that can, you know, his versatile skill, uh, just a ferocious rebounder. But here's the issue. You're playing against a Houston team. If Marcus, if Sasser's healthy, if Sasser's healthy, I think you can't. I mean, uh, Houston is the most complete team in this tournament on both ends of the floor. Not only are they really good defensively, like they always are under Coach Sampson, they rank amongst the best teams in their league offensively, even three-point field goal percentage. If Sasser's healthy... The way they defend, I mean, think back to the way Drake defended Miami, mm-hmm. um, and now you take that with even more athletic, bigger, stronger, deeper guys, teams, I think that presents a huge problem to Miami in this game. I really believe that. For a tie-in for March Madness here, Iona, they get, they get dropped from the tournament, and Coach Rick Patino now going on, signing on St. to be John's. the head coach at St. John's. What do you think of that move? Oh, look, you got to love it. I mean, here, here's what I will tell you about this coaching profession, guys. Sometimes you, you, you kind of get pushed off the path that you're on, right? I mean, you're a coach. You're, you know, everything's going well. and All of a sudden, you kind of have to change course. And what happens is you kind of get tested, and that is this. You either go to the point where you say, okay, uh, I'm now have to take in a different path. Or I'm going to have to reinvent myself, or maybe I'm going to get out of the business, or it fires you up. And you become passionate, you learn more, and you, you know, you're reignited in terms of your fire. And I think right now we're seeing that with Coach Patino. I think he's coming back uh, with even a more knowledgeable uh, understanding. and not He's already a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And then with passion and energy and fire um, uh, that is even higher than it was when he you know, kind of got you know, took off, taken off the path. So I think he's going to do an incredible job at St. John's. I'll tell you what, winning follows Coach Patino around where he goes, right? I mean, he just knows how to win. 
<laughs> He's he is no that question. guy. He is that guy. Talking right now with Coach Scott Spinelli here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more quick questions for you. Uh we're out here in Vegas, so obviously we pay attention to the Mountain West. San Diego State, they're still they're still playing, they're still dancing. They got Alabama though. That's a tough task, coach. Uh what do you see in that one? Can the Aztecs do they have enough to knock off the the mighty Crimson Tide? Yeah, you know, we thought coming in the Mountain West was going to put a couple teams uh, into the Sweet 16, but right now San Diego State um, is the only one standing. But I, I'll tell you what, this is going to be the subplot of this game to me. You're, play, you're playing against an Alabama team that has a lot of distractions, as you guys know. And I think for the first time in this tournament, as a matter of fact, for sure, for certain, they're going to face some adversity. They're going to be tested, and it's going to be how they respond when this happens. San Diego State's physical, they're experienced, they're complete, they're well coached. If Alabama comes together through this adversity, I think they're going to be able to win the game and they're going to move on. If for some reason now that stuff that's gone on off the floor, the distraction that it pulls them apart, is I could see San Diego State here easily advancing. So keep your eye on that subplot in that game. I'll definitely be paying attention to that one. And I got to ask you about a team that broke my bracket immediately, and that was Princeton. They knocked off Arizona. They turned around and knocked off Missouri. Now they take on the sixth seed in Creighton. Uh, what are you seeing in this one? Princeton, uh, they're, they're in the Sweet 16. It's a pretty, little, pretty nice little story for them. It is. You know, again, we thought Princeton would beat out, uh, Arizona uh, coming in just because the, you know, the matchup wasn't favorable for Arizona. But what you have here is this. You have a Princeton team that's made over 300-plus threes, uh, four guys who have made 60 or more, which is <laughs> unheard of. And then you've got a Creighton team that has six guys that have made 20 or more threes. And so I, and they, but they've done it at the Big East. So what I think is going to happen is I think whoever you know makes the three like they've done all year, I think whoever defends the three-point line, I think is the team, you know, the subplot of this game. I really like Creighton, though. I think they're the team right now that could easily win this game and get to a Final Four. We call that, you know, um, as one of the sleeper teams. And so, yeah, I think you've got to keep your eye on Creighton. Our, excuse me, Sean Miller has been doing a great job at hmm. Xavier. How much do you think that his coaching experience will help him in that game against Texas with Rodney Terry? They've been on a great run, but he is the interim coach. Let's go, UT. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I think Coach Terry, another guy that you have to applaud the job that he's done with that team. Uh, you know, those guys are playing exceptionally well right now. Um and I think that's going to be a really good game. However, I believe as good a coach as Coach Miller is and as much as Xavier is playing at a high level after really getting you know thrashed in the fees tournament by Marquette, um, I think Texas has a lot of weapons, physical, um, the shoe, uh, you know, I'm apologizing his name, the shoe, um, who had 28 in that game, was mm-hmm. unstoppable against Penn State. Um, I think that's, I think this Texas team is really, uh, talented, they're deep. I don't know. That's going to be that's going to be one that's too close to call. But again, Coach Miller's team, you can never discount. He's such a good coach. They're playing well right now. Yeah, no, they really are. That's going to be a good one. Definitely looking forward to that one. The two seed versus the three seed. That's Texas and Xavier. Both coaches, really good coaches. Both teams, really good teams. And this is why we watch them because it's a whole lot of fun. March Madness. This action is fantastic. Well, Coach, thanks so much for uh, helping us break down a little Sweet Sixteen action. Look, talking a little March Madness. Uh, we'll talk to you next week as well. We'll be talking about championship games. Always a pleasure, guys. Love it. Take care. Have a nice day, okay? You too. Appreciate you. Coach Scott Spinelli right there, Believe Podcast Network. We're talking about 
Man, we're talking about March Madness as it rolls on, as dancing going on. Uh, Sweet 16, the Elite Eight will be going on uh, going on here in Vegas. And then, of course, you got the Final Four in the championship game. So excited about that. Excited about all the action. And sometimes you just turn on the game and you don't know how good it's going to be if you're going to see one of the ones that gets down to the wire. But I'll tell you what, man, watching over the weekend, I could not take my eyes off some of those games. They were so much fun. The Arkansas game was super exciting. The K-State game was super exciting. Uh, there was many other ones, man, that I thought were, wow, that one, uh, even Baylor, the Baylor-Creighton game, even though uh, Creighton really ran them out the gym, uh, it was it was a good game until it wasn't, until it got away at the end. Princeton had a good uh, good go for, with the Missouri, uh, really took them out immediately, and just, just the way that they flexed on them was pretty impressive. Duke going down was huge. Uh, man, it's, it's just, uh, again, a lot of great action, uh, but I think that Arkansas-Kansas probably was the best one in the round of 32 as Kansas came away. Uh, the loser, 72 to 71. Didn't see that happening. You talk about your bracket being busted. I had Kansas in my final four. Yeah. I had Memphis in my final four. I mean, I, I had, yeah, I had I'm fun, looking yeah. like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> I did have Kansas moving on. I had them uh, playing UConn this, uh, this upcoming, upcoming week and then uh, in the Sweet 16 and then also in the Elite Eight, I had them playing UCLA and then dipping out to UCLA, uh, losing there. So there you go. So I had them going pretty far. But again, my bracket doesn't even matter. It is all red. It stinks. It doesn't even matter. There's 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 a reason why I'm on this side of things and not, you know, I'm not in I'm not in the sports book laying no money on any of this because I would be broke. So don't take my betting advice when it comes to uh, any of March Madness because I don't know. Clearly, 419 is the time. We'll come back, get your calls and texts. 702-365-9200 and the don't be broke dot com text line 69187 keyword R&R. This is Red Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Coach Scott Spinelli, Believe Podcast Network, joins us each and every Monday around 4 o'clock. Talk a little March Madness. Always like to focus in on March Madness. It's so funny that, you know, a lot of folks don't pay attention to college hoops all season long. And then all of a sudden, March happens and the tournament happens. Like, hey, I'm locked in. That first Thursday of the tournament is, man, it's must watch TV, right? It doesn't matter where you're at, you want to watch the tournament. And then all weekend long, and that's exactly what I did. No matter where I was, I had some college hoops on all weekend long. And, man, it was a lot of fun. It really was a lot of fun to just take a, a step back and a side, step aside from football all the time because that's what we do, football, football, football. To be able to talk a little college hoops was pretty cool and see that some of these, uh, these games go, go the way that they did, shake out the way that they did. Again, it's, it's, it's great to see these, these young men and women on the women's side of the bracket as well. Stanford fell yesterday. That was huge. But, I mean, just to see them so excited and pumped up over a victory and know that their season doesn't come to an end, it's pretty awesome, man. When you talk about the people who don't pay attention to college basketball unless it's their teams, me. So I listen to a lot of college basketball podcasts. I'm going to cram. I'm going to cram. And then even when it was time for me to fill out my bracket – I went against the the so-called experts that I listen to on all these podcasts. Right. Because I remember it's like, hey, Furman over Virginia. Oh, man, if you want to pick like a mid-major upset. And I was thinking, nah, 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 Virginia got this. Right. Yeah, exactly. no, I, no, 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 no. I'm just going chalk all around the board, even though where people are like, oh, that's a good team. Look out for this team. FAU. Oh, man, they're really underrated. I'm like, nah, Memphis got this. Right. Well, Farley Dickinson knocked off Purdue. That Purdue, that's a problem. Purdue is a problem. They lost to a 16 seed. They lost to a 15 seed. They lost to a 13 seed. That now is on them, right? Now all of a sudden it's a you problem, right? You, you have a problem, and you've got to figure it out. You have one of the best players in college basketball on your squad. Right? It's going to be a lottery pick, and that man didn't score for the last nine minutes of the game. 
Nine minutes. Hey, man. And sometimes if I'm that dude, I'm calling timeout. I don't give a damn that the coach ain't calling timeout. I'm calling timeout and saying, look, I'm the biggest and baddest dude on this court. Get me the ball. Get me the ball on the block and let me go to work. Get out of my way and go, let me go to work. That's what I'm saying. So is it his fault or the coach's fault? Both. Both. It's, it's, it's both fault. But at some time, if you're the player, man, hey, be the player. Be the player. I tell my son that all the time. Like, hey, man, I know you're playing, playing how the coach wants you to play. But at some time, if, you're, if your guys ain't knocking down shots and you're trying to get the assist, guess what? You can't get an assist unless they're knocking down shots. If they ain't knocking them down, you got to take over. Just take over. Say, so, you know what? Get out of my way. Let me go to work. Sometimes that's how it be. You got to do it. All I can think about when you start, I thought you were going to go. You ever see that Michael Irvin rant? Whereas they're coming into your house, taking your food. What are you going to do about it? Exactly. Exactly. You've got to show that you're the baddest dude on the planet. And they have a guy who's going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. And they didn't go to, and he didn't go to work. Nine minutes he went without a bucket. Nine. Not four. Not five. Nine. Almost half the second half he went without a bucket. Come on, man. That can't happen. If you're the baddest dude on the planet, you got to act like the baddest dude. Even if you're not the baddest dude on the planet, you still got to act like the baddest dude on the planet. They didn't, they didn't get it done. So now Purdue's looking in the mirror. Right now, coach is looking in the mirror. Everyone's looking in the mirror like, what in the world is our problem? Because, again, that's three years in a row. You drop to a 13 seed. You drop to a 15 seed. And now you drop to a 16 seed. Come on, man. It's on you. Man, the bracket gets dropped and they rubbing their hands. Who's matching up with Purdue? I'm, I'm trying to tell you. I'll try to, if I'm a 15 seed, I'm like, oh, cool. We got this right where we want them. They, they can't get out of their own way. They got a problem. That's just me, though. Many thanks to Coach Scott Spinelli. As March Madness rolls on, it's going to be a lot of fun. I did want to get in a little XFL conversation. We'll get to your calls and texts, 702-365-9200. We've got plenty of texts to get to, and if you want to chime in on the show, we can do that as well on the phone lines. I did want to get into the XFL and ask you, what the hell happened to the Vegas Vipers at the end of the game? where they almost gave it away. They're up three. They kick a field goal. They're up six, but then there was a penalty. So then they decide to take the points off the board and go for it on fourth to one, and they throw the damn ball. Oh, my gosh. You want to know what's so funny? So a couple of us were talking about it after the game, and I said, just take the points. Make them go down and score a touchdown. And Adam Hill looks up from typing, and he says, you should never be allowed to talk about football again. <laughs> Why, you got to go for it on fourth down. And, yeah, look what happened when they went for it on, on fourth down. But why did they throw why it? Throw, why did, why I have no idea. It? Yeah. One and yard to go. Coach Woodson didn't either. As soon as that happened, they flashed over to him on TV, his head dropped. His hat was off, and his head dropped. I was like, oh, he's pissed. He's pissed. Like, what in the world? It was, what happened there? Luckily, the defense stepped up and made some plays, but are you serious? Man, Peter Tamupinu, he was on fire that game where, he like, hey, he was the guy. We need a sack right here. We need a big play. It was two times where I thought, hey, man, that's like an extra yard. Not if I thought. You could just see it on the field. Yeah, yeah. That should have been a safety. Right. Wait, man, it, there was mm-hmm. some questionable. Hey, maybe that was a safety sack. But, man, so the defense, when they needed to, Ben don't break. And, I mean, they held their own at the times that they needed to in that game. Man, I, I, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't envy Coach at all. Mm. I, I almost see him getting gray on the sideline. Like, man, I can't believe it. Because you know that in his mind he knows the, the right football play. And you can see that when he's, you know, like I said, bent over, hat off. You know, it just it's almost like that look of disgust. Like, come on. Come on, we, we can't be doing this. At some point, I feel like he's got to take control and say, all right, we ain't doing this. I gotta, you know, I'm overruling you. I'm the head coach. I'm overruling the OC. I'm rolling, overruling everyone. This can't be it. That fourth and one pass was terrible. 
terrible decision, but also this is a new, not offensive coordinator, it doesn't have the official title, but this is a new play caller for okay. the Vipers because they did release after an 0-3 start, yeah. released the former offensive coordinator. So this is a team that's still working out the kinks, but with such a short season, it's hard to like get those adjustments going. Luis Perez, he had a great game. I think that he should be the starting quarterback now over Brett Hundley going forward. Going into the game, I was like, hey, Brett Hundley, he has more talent. Mm-hmm. Even though he was injured this week, when someone's injured all week but you see him suit up, you think that they're going to play. But he, Brett Hundley didn't get the start. Luis did, and he balled out. He should definitely have that job going forward. But all it takes is that one win. And that's yeah. all I got. That's that's what I'm clinging on to. Well, that's all you they got. Need. The first one. Yeah, yeah. You got to get. You can't. You can't go on a winning streak until you win one. You know, you can't win two until you win one. So to their credit, they got one dub and they're playing back at home. Matter of fact, what's three weeks in a row they're playing yeah. at home? Yeah, right? that's so good. Come on out. That's yeah. That's a good thing. And we'll have tickets to those games uh, all week long. Uh, of course, uh, courtesy of uh, Finley Toyota, we definitely appreciate them. But we'll have family four pack of tickets to go out to see the Vegas Vipers. Harry Ruiz and Demond are on the call. You can hear those home games right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Do you know what time the game starts on this Saturday? Because I know there was a little, little sn- like you don't even know. You don't even. Know. How do you not know what time you're gonna be on the call? It's three o'clock. It's the it's the regular <laughs> three o'clock. It wasn't it wasn't at three before. You know. So hey, that's what happens. They move around the times. It was a night game. Hey, that was the first night game that we had. Yeah. I mean, so now it's back at the regular time. Okay. All right. I'm just checking. I'm just checking to make sure you know where you're supposed to be at what time you're supposed to be there. Also, we're trying to look into this, so this will be fun. So you know, on the um on the TV broadcast mm-hmm. where somebody has a big plan, you they're just talking on the TV broadcast. Yeah. We're talking about putting a unit down on the field. You know, we're talking with Sage about this. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we, us as the radio station, us putting a unit down on the field. So, hey, after a big play, hey, Luis, tell us what was going through your mind when you threw that touchdown pass. Nice. So, hopefully, you know, these last two games will have. So, this. who's going to be the one man in that? Sage. I mean, you know, just make sure nobody knocks it over. We'll, we'll be fine. I mean, look, just just ask. It's a good idea in theory. Can no, it is. Jet said, Jet said he'll talk about that work at the Kings. Someone's got to man it, but that would be cool. I mean, that would be like a good job for your sideline guy. So, you know, go ahead and implement your sideline guy and you'll be good to go. I ain't got time. All right, we got um, <laughs> I ain't got time. <laughs> you know? I ain't got time. Cool Hand James is always looking for, you know, a new opportunity. Yo, yo, Luis. <laughs> Say, Luis, man. So what? What were you thinking when you saw that pass and when you saw that man streaking wide open like that? What what were you thinking? Yeah, he's too laid back for that job. <laughs> he's got to have a little bit more energy. He's got to come with it. Cool cool James is too cool. He's way too cool. I think I think it's just the name James. If your name is James, you got to be you got to be LL Cool J, right? Ladies love Cool J. I think that that's just what what it is. When you when your name is James, you just got to be the coolest dude in the planet. We got Slow Jam James, we got Cool Cool running James, we got what? I mean, it's just in the name, man. If your name is James, you're just chilling. Hey, man, but you know, just give him, give him that shot. You know, he can be on the sideline, man of the unit. You know, I just came up with an idea right there. There you go. I'll tell Jed about it. There, there you go. You're dishing out hours for folks. I like it. Four thirty-three is the time. When we come back, we'll we'll get to your calls and texts for sure, and uh, we'll even give you a couple sprinkling a few cover three notes. This is Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q. Q. Got some text that I want to get to on the don'tbebroke.com text line. 69187, keyword r If you want to chime in on the show, you can. There's still time. 702-365-9200. The question that we threw out there was actually a question that we got from Liam, and I definitely appreciate that. Hit us up on Twitter, and he said, What's up, Q? I believe that we're going to try to trade up with Arizona on draft day if their guy is still available at number three. My question to you is, would you prefer to give up draft capital or give up players? Example, like a Renfro, Merrick, Hobbs, someone with a name. 
If we're saving a second-round pick, I'm giving up the players. If we're saving a third round, I probably wouldn't give up Renfro, but Merrick and Hobbs, I'd definitely be thinking long and hard. Love the show, man. Keep doing what you do against from my guy Liam. And so that was the question that we threw out there. And, again, anytime you want us to discuss anything, you can feel free to hit us up at r 920 am at DeMond underscore the boss, at your boy Q254. Uh, you can hit us up. You can find a way to get a hold of us. And, of course, the good old don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r and Got a lot of texts that I want to get to, so we're going to have to go ahead and and hit those up real quick. Let's see. This one says, I would, this is Jim from Yonkers, I would trade draft capital. We have so much draft capital this year, we may not have to dip into too much in next year's draft. Would DeAndre Hopkins be included in the trade? That would be some some set of receivers. Adams, Hopkins, Renfro, Myers, Dorsett, and now Coles. Too much for one position. Would probably have to trade Renfro. What is left on Hopkins' contract? Thank you, Q&D, for a great show. I'm not sure how much is left on Hopkins' deal, but I think he wants a new one. It feels like every year Hopkins wants a new deal. Uh, still one of the best wide receivers in the league. He's still really good, but it uh, seems like he always wants a new deal. So I'm not too sure about that. But, uh, Jim, your point about the Raiders having a lot of draft capital right now is is very true. 12 draft picks. So uh, And DeMond brought this point up earlier. Just give up the draft capital because you already know what you have established in the players that you have. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and I do like what Liam was saying. Well, if you're going to save a second-round pick, then go ahead and give up the players. Oh, wait, is that what he said? Yeah, he said, if you if we're saving a second-round pick, I'm giving up the players. If we're saving a third, I'd probably give up a player like a Renfro, or not Renfro, but Merrick and Hobbs. So uh, there you go. That that makes a lot of sense, and uh, there's a lot of different ways you can do it, right? And and then again, we had Amber Theo Harris on. She was saying that she don't even think it makes sense for them to try to move up to, to number se- or number three, just stay at seven and get the best defensive player. Yeah, that works too, but just uh, some clarification on DeAndre Hopkins. Two years left on his deal this year and the year after. Mm-hmm. $19 million this year and $14 million next. Right. See, and he's, so I see why he would want a new deal. He always wants a new deal. Every single year he wants a, a new deal. Uh, got another text. Do whatever it takes to go get your guy, but I'll say I'd really like to see what this front office can do with all of his draft picks. I'd really like to see a Raiders team that was built through the draft. Those seem to be the only teams that constantly win in the NFL nowadays. That's Raider Chavez in the 916 at Sacramento, California, and I agree, and I think that's what they're trying to do. It's been a very long time, if ever, that the Raiders were able to build a team through the draft, right? And I think that's why a lot of Raider Nation is concerned with that method because we all remember all the misses in the draft. Not all the hits, all the misses. Because the, Well, we remember the hits, too, because there wasn't that many of them. That's the big problem. And so uh, every time you have the draft capital to go and really turn the roster around and build the team up through the draft, it just doesn't seem to work. But with how many draft picks they have this year, I wouldn't mind if they were aggressive. Some people say, hey, well, you could miss on the same guy at seven if you take a guy at three. You know, there's no guarantee that that guy, unless the, if the team would ever come out and say, yeah, we wanted that guy at seven, but we got a little too quarterback greedy. And so-and-so, Christian Gonzalez goes on to have a Hall of Fame career. Right. You know, but that'd be years down the road before you have that, that you know, that, oh, man, with that, that light bulb moment of we messed up. So for me, with all the picks that you do have in this year's draft, why not be aggressive and trade up? You could also trade back at some point. Where if you're not dipping into next year's draft, you know, be as aggressive be as aggressive as you can in this year's draft. So to me, if they were to say, "Hey, we're going to trade up to number three, I'd be all for it. I just don't know if it's worth it because if you trade up to number three, you have. To, I mean, that guy's got to be a home run, right? I mean, it's got to be the dude. If you trade up, just say you trade up and you go and get Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, whichever one is left, because I do believe one of those two guys will be there at number three. I think it goes C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, one, two. But if one of those two guys is there and you take them, I don't care who you take. I don't Mm -hmm. care who you favor. If you take that person and they bust 
or they're not or they're just okay. Then all of a sudden you're sitting there with egg on your face because you took a guy that was just okay and you let all these really good defensive players pass by you when you know you've got a hole on top of hole on top of hole to fill. On the other side, you're hoping that you're not picking in the top ten to be able to get that difference maker quarterback. So sometimes you got to roll the dice, and you know they always say scared money don't make money, and I always say that's why I wouldn't make money because I'd be scared money. <laughs> so if it was for me, let's say ideal scenario, you give up your one, two, and three in this year's draft, but hey, you're still getting that first round pick, Oof. and then with the third round picks that they have, we've seen. Well, I think that the the majority of we can maybe try to gleam a little bit from what we know what they did in New England. Hey, they hit on the mid round picks. Where New yeah. England was never at the top of the draft, where they needed like that late first round pick to make the top, make the club so much that he was going to be a difference maker. Right. For me, I do think that hey, if you trade one, two, and three, and then you're starting at with two third round picks after that quarterback that you get in the first round, I still think that you can have those impact guys there because we hear corner this draft is deep, tight end this draft is deep, so you probably could still get some starter, some starter level players starting at the third round. You could. I mean, you really can. I'm, I'm with the texter, though. I'd love to see Dave Ziegler and company with all their draft capital and just see how they navigate through the draft. Like, I really want to see how they work their magic in the draft. I thought they did a good job last year. I know everyone's not completely sold on that, but we still have to wait to see what happens with Neil Farrell. We still have to see what happens with Matthew Butler. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to see Zamir White. Josh Jacobs was like, no, you're not getting on the field. So, you know, there's guys that haven't really had an opportunity to go out there and do anything yet. I know I think what either Farrell or Butler or one of the two or both uh, were healthy scratches a couple times last year, uh, but they could be players. Remember, and th- those were guys that many of the draft experts, when the Raiders got them, was like, oh, man, th- those guys could end up being steals. Maybe they are. Maybe there's some guys that they've been working behind the scenes and they feel like, okay, they're going to have an opportunity to get some burn this upcoming year. That could be the case. We know that the Raiders need defensive line help, edge and defensive tackle. Right, they need. I mean, they need as much help as they can get. They got Jordan Willis today. He's just a piece. He's a piece of depth, which is okay. I'm fine with that. Right, he's going to be part of a rotation, and they feel good about that. That's great. But they still need somebody. If Tyree Wilson is there at seven from Texas Tech, somebody that should be considered. Christian Gonzalez is there at number seven, the corner out of Oregon. Someone who should be considered. If Jalen Carter is there at number seven, it may be someone that they consider. I don't know. Right, I don't. I don't. I don't know what they have in mind. That's all up to them. But we all know as far as players that those guys are all difference makers. They, the, the point is, if there's a difference maker there at seven, you probably should go get him because that's the one thing that this team does not have is difference makers outside of Max Crosby, right? Max is a difference maker. Devontae Adams is a difference maker. Josh Jacobs is a difference maker. But outside of that, like, who else do they have? I thought, and I think that Nate Hobbs could be that guy, but he's got he's to get healthy. You know, he hurt his hand multiple times last year. He's got to make sure that this upcoming year he's healthy and he's on the field. I, w- I look back at the last two drafts just now, and I'm thinking, hey, well, maybe because I'm, I'm really, really trying to construct the take that, hey, if they can trade for that number three pick, they'll be okay. But, no, maybe they do need all the picks that they can use because you look at the draft, I know it isn't their draft, but even last year you mentioned Butler and Farrell. Mm-hmm. Hey, those guys didn't play a little bit. Right. Two running backs that you really didn't need to use. Right. So Dylan Parham and Thera Mumford – those were the only two guys that got burned, Parham, Parham being the a starter. Hit. Parham was a hit. Yeah, he was a starter, and mm-hmm. then Mumford is like, hey, well, maybe he'll have an increased role this year. Right. But I don't think so because Jermaine Illuminor, I think he's coming back to be a starter. I don't think he's a starter. I really don't feel like he's a starter. He may compete to start. I don't think he's a starter, though. I think that there's going to be a healthy competition this year in, in camp 
uh, for the tackle position. And I think that Illuminor will be part of it. I think Mufford will be part of it. Um, I think that they're going to have other guys that will be part of it. But I'm not sold on Illuminor as just going to slide in as a, as a starter because I don't think from what we saw last year, I don't know if he needs to be a starter. But from what we've seen so far and all the holes on the defensive end, I think that they're just going to run it back on, with the offensive line and expect guys to make that leap because we've all said, hey, when it comes to running the ball, the offensive line wasn't that bad. And then the pass, the, you know, the pass protection, yeah. hey, maybe Mumford takes that step. I don't see where you're drafting an offensive lineman. Could draft him with your number seven overall pick. You could go and get Skoronsky out of Northwestern. I mean, he's a he's supposed to be the best tackle in the draft. I think you can go later and get offensive lineman. I really like Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. I like him a lot, but he's going to be probably a late first round guy. He's a right tackle. He's solid. Uh, hasn't given up a sack, and I couldn't tell you how many snaps. Right? I mean, it's been a very long time. I like him a lot at the right tackle position if they don't go address it right away. But you know, one thing when we had Mike Gill on the show last week on Friday, one of the things he said about what Howie Roseman and the Eagles do, and that, that's one of the organizations I look up to and say, okay, they get it right when it comes to the draft, when it comes to free agency, when it comes to trades. They, they, they figure out a way to get it done. And he said that what they do is they really emphasize the trenches. They do a lot of drafting when it comes to the offensive line and defensive line. We all know that it's built from the inside out, right? The trenches have to be solidified. I think even though the Raiders offensive line did a good job last year, in paving the way for Josh Jacobs to lead the league in rushing, they have to, in my opinion. Just my opinion. I could be wrong. They have to solidify that right tackle position. It has been a turnstile for way too long. There's been too many bodies in that spot. They have got to find a guy to hold that down where they feel confident that he could be the dude, whether that's a guy they get in the draft, a guy they get in free agency, a guy they already have on the roster. Somebody's got to have that, that spot held down, and they can't get it in week nine. They've got to get it before then. How many weeks did we come in here and was like, what is going on here? Can't keep having a rotation. Like There was someone, I can't remember who it was, who really tried to convince me that that was a good idea to have a rotation on the <laughs> offensive line. No, Q, you want them to be fresh. No, I don't. That's the one unit I don't want to see a rotation. No one's ever said that. No, but someone did and tried to convince me that I was bat-blank crazy because I didn't think that was a good idea. And I was like, no, that's the one position that's not a good idea. I don't want them to rotate. I want them to be the same five all the time. So they can have that continuity because that's what an offensive line needs to do. They need to be able to know when to step all together, step one way, step the other way. I mean, they need to do all that. They need to know what the right hand's doing to the left hand. I mean, it's, it's, they have to be a cohesive unit. That has got to be one of the biggest goals is finding your five guys and identifying them early, whether that means Parham moves to center, if he stays at guard, if you have to replace another guard, whatever the case may be. And I know that they brought some guys back. I know they signed some, you know, a couple guys here and there, but – They've got to get that thing solidified, man. That has got to be one of the number one goals is making sure they know who the hell is going to be the starting five on the offensive line. Man, you say that, but I'm pretty confident. I don't think you bring Jermaine Illuminor back if he's not at least competing for that starting job. He can, then, he can compete all he wants. But I think he's going to win it. I think he's going to beat out there Mumford. I can't wait for, um, for training camp to start now because I think that he's the guy that's going to be the starting right tackle. How about this? Free agent wide receiver Cam Sims has agreed to contract terms with the Raiders. Source tells The Athletic was with the Washington uh, Commander since 2018. So there you go. Cam, Cam Sims has joined the mix as far as the Raiders. They've been, they, I'll tell you one thing. I know Raider Nation is not excited and thrilled about the, the signings, but they've been busy. They have been busy. Vic Tafer puts out nice signing, underrated 6'5", wide receiver, 32 catches for 477 yards in 2020. He's 27 years old, also good on special teams. So there you go. That's the Mac Hollins replacement right there. Cam Sims rolls in. 
<laughs> Andy said, another one of your Roll Tide boys arriving, Cam Sims. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's from Andy on Twitter. Definitely appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, those those signings just keep rolling in. So Dave Ziegler and company are, are very busy. You can't say they ain't busy. They might not be the names that you want to hear, but you can't say that they ain't busy because they've been really getting after it, uh, especially these this past weekend and today. What does that make, four or five signings? At yeah, least. At least. At least. I know there's three from the outside. Uh, well, four from the outside. And then, of course, Keelan Cole they brought back. So, yeah, that's five right there. O.J. Howard added this morning. Jaquan Johnson uh, added. Jordan Willis. Uh, you got Cam Sims now. And then Keelan Cole as well. So that's uh, five right there. Uh, let's see. You got a couple more texts. Uh, Jim from Yonkers. It's, it is very interesting that Brandon Parker was brought back. That's right. He was not their guy. I think that he was untapped talent. I hate the word Eagles because we blew them out in 21. LOL. Thank you, uh, Jim and Yonkers. Thank you for the text. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, Brandon Parker is going to be interesting. Uh, because again, I think he's depth, uh, and I think a lot of these guys are depth. I think that's. I mean, I haven't come in and said one time that, hey man, that dude's a solidified starter. And I mean, with anybody outside of Jacoby Myers, Jacoby Myers is really the only guy that the Raiders have signed that I'd look at and say, yeah, that guy's a number two. That's a number two wide receiver right there. He'll be across from Devontae Adams. That's a good addition. And I do. I think that that's a good addition. Obviously, Jimmy G's a starter. <laughs> we know that too. But I mean, outside of that, everyone else is competing for spots. I don't think anyone has a, a, a starting spot. Held down. Even Robert Spillane, the linebacker they got from Pittsburgh, who told us on Friday or Thursday that he plans on having the green dot. I think he's got to earn his spot. I don't think that that's anything that's that's set in stone that he's going to be a starting uh, linebacker and, and be the quarterback of the defense. I like I like the attitude. I like his thoughts. I like. I, mean, I, I felt like he was a super football player when after we finished talking to him. But I don't think it's guaranteed he's going to be a starter. Not guaranteed. But what about Epps? I think that he's someone who you bring him in after the season that he had last year. He's, he should be a starter. I'm not saying that he's going to because anybody can get beat out in camp. But, but I do think that that's a signing where, hey, we're bringing this guy in to be a starter. I don't know. No? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I just can't guarantee that, right? I can't yeah. say that confidently. Like Jacoby Myers, I know he's starting. There's no doubt about it, right? He's the number two wide receiver, no doubt. But I, 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 would, I would struggle to find myself saying that the rest of these guys are all starters. Somebody's got to start, obviously. Right, you got to fill out the roster somehow. Uh, they've got a lot of special teams guys. They got a lot of guys that, like Ed Graney said when we had him in the first hour, guys that have to, you know, need to prove themselves, which is fine. You know, you want to have those guys on the roster, but I think the majority of your team, and I know everyone's not going to be excited about a bunch of young dudes starting. I think you're going to see a, a majority of the, the the positions that they really need, like a corner. I think that that's going to be coming out of the draft. I think you could potentially see a starting, well, not a starting linebacker because the, the draft class is so deep. I think you could see a potential defensive tackle, maybe an edge, right? I mean, so those positions I feel like are, are pretty deep in the draft. And I really like, um, I like, uh, what's his name? Cansey out of Pitt. And I know, and it's not, I don't like him because people are saying he's Aaron Donald like. I just think because he has a lot of effort, right? And I think that he'll really get after it. And he might be one of those that drops a little bit just because. There's, it's pretty deep in the defensive tackle position. He might be one of those that, that goes on you know, in, on day two, in, in round two. I wouldn't have any problem with the Raiders going and addressing him. I don't think, and this is just my gut feeling, nobody's told me that, I honestly don't believe that Jalen Carter's on their, on their radar. I, I just don't think that. that. Again, that's just my gut feeling for everything that's going on off the field and then him not showing out at the pro day. To me, for him to gain all the weight that he did going into the pro day and not being able to finish, I think that that's a super red flag for this staff in particular. I can't see, I can't see Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler being, ah, it's all right, he's got a lot going on in his life, he'll be all right. I, just, I can't see that from them, 
Forget everything else that's going on with that young man, all the different, you know, off the field stuff. Just with the pro day performance, sim- similar to what Amber Theo Harris said when she joined us, I, uh, I I just can't see them saying that, yeah, that's a good idea to bring that dude in because, well, he just doesn't have the attention to detail that I think this staff is looking for. Let's get one quick call in before we uh, wrap up the show. Who we got? Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Thank you. First of all, man, you have a great show. You always have good energy and you got a great voice. You guys both do a nice job. Appreciate you. But- comment on this competition thing i want to from a guy who's run companies in the past when you uh take over a new company the best thing you can do is create competition and so if you don't have like a starter what you're commenting on these guys it's clear to me like their their motto is just bring in guys close to the same level and do competition all the time it really sharpens things and there's a stat that i'm sure you know that maybe a lot of people don't know but one of my favorite stats about pro football is there are more undrafted free agents in the Hall of Fame than there are first-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. So when guys come in, the sharpening over the next few years is so critical as part of the development, and the best way you can do that is competition. And I think McDaniels knows that and Ziegler know, know that, and it's a really good model. It takes a lot longer that way, and you have to have faith in the process, but it has the possibility of really having good results in the end so take your comment off the air i love it great that's a great way justin to close out the show best comment of the day right there i like it i like it and you're right there's nothing wrong with competition competition makes everyone around you better uh so that's what and i could see i could definitely see this staff wanting that competition that's one thing like i was talking about jalen carter and the lack of uh, being able to finish his pro day and how that wasn't going to sit well with them Competition definitely sits well with these guys. So they bring in uh, a lot of dudes that are going to go out there and compete and try to put the best guys on the field. Coming up on Wednesday, free agent tight end Austin Hooper will be visiting the Silver and Black. They've obviously been busy today. Uh, We'll talk about all that and a whole lot more coming up on tomorrow's show. We already got some great guests lined up, including John McClain from GalleriesSports.com and Sports Radio 610. We'll talk tomorrow. It's Radio 920. Have a great evening. (laughs) 